Dear humans, I have been trying to record a welcoming opening speech for maybe like 53 minutes or more. And what I've learned from this experience is that I have a very hard time saying hello to only you. I really want to say hello to your pets. Hello dogs and cats and fish and parrots. Does anybody have a parrot as a pet? Um, but not only that, I also have kind of like a, a real need to say hello to all the organisms living within and without your body. Such are bacteria and yeah, all the life that is not just you. Like things living in your intestines. Welcome. Welcome all of you to the first episode of the Together Alone podcast. A podcast about dancing, the body, choreography, feminism, politics, and writing, and art making, and history and hardship and joy joy is crucial which is possibly a statement i don't really need to reason right now maybe the podcast itself kind of comes to make an argument towards joy so here i am foreshadowing a project within the project joy my name is Pavle Heidler and I will be your primary host in this podcast. In order to be able to explain the reason for which I use the word primary, uh, I feel like I need to give a little bit of a background to the podcast itself together alone and how these projects kind of come together or give birth to each other so to speak in biological terms and um, this will be the first part of the episode of today the second part of the episode will be um, archival footage uh, of a conversation I've had with Mira Mutka, a Stockholm-based choreographer, on slowness, the notion of slowness, her practice, her choreographic practice, her bodily practice, and then slowness as an aspect, maybe a primary aspect of her practice. So, about Together Alone podcast. A couple of words on the Together Alone podcast. The Together Alone podcast is primarily an experimental podcast. This goes for both the content of the podcast but also how it's made in that it's a 
in that this podcast is an experimental podcast, neither of your hosts, which means primarily myself, are professional podcasters. Recording this speech, this monologue, is the first time I am recording a monologue for a podcast. So there's many things to learn um, and we learn as we go and by we I mean everybody who is involved in this project. Um, Yeah, one of the things that we will come to talk about on many an occasion I'm sure is the notion of expertise um, amongst other things. So there you go. Um, already a reflection. Um, My hope is that the people that are interviewed in this podcast, the people that I or other hosts talk to, um, the questions we ask, the content we provide are all the things that we know perhaps something about. Um, But as we go, as we ask the questions that we ask, we are also learning. Um, So this is an attempt to also learn something. This whole podcast is is a quest for knowledge, so to speak. This means both technically and and, um, content-wise. In terms of the content itself, I, I... say that this podcast is experimental because where I come from, the field of experimental dancing and choreography, where choreography is taken to be an expanded practice um, or a notion, um, basically meaning every person has their own definition of choreography and dancing and performing and any agreement made in my experience between any two professionals is often temporary because we change our minds so much. You know, not that the changing of the mind is excessive, but the group of people that the group of professionals that I find myself surrounded with is a group of people who will actively seek out new knowledges and then informed by their new experience change their past um, beliefs maybe or things that they previously thought were true Um, yeah so in that way this whole project is experimental um in that it is to do with a quest for new knowledge. It is to do with taking a risk and challenging what has previously been confirmed as true. Um, It is about temporality and about ephemerality. Um, Qualities that are at least to some degree familiar dance artists and the field of dance 
Um, yeah. A lot of people in my experience who participate in the world of dance and choreography speak of ephemerality um, as something that they are intimate with. Yes. So that also means that there will be obviously a lot of language in this podcast and of course we are in the in the kind of realm of the radio where language is what we have. In that language can be very firm. Um, I also encourage, this is a note to self, a note to future speakers and listeners, I encourage you to listen with an open mind. Um, listen yeah I suppose listen with an open mind is a good thing to say because one of my hopes for this podcast is to get to talk to people about things that they really care about I hope to get to talk to people about things that they don't know much about or they know something but not everything so I want I, I'm, I hope to talk I hope to talk to people about things that they are still very much learning about and so this means that I will talk to a lot of people who are perhaps in some ways not confident that they can speak to their experiences because they will be very conscious of the fact that their experience is limited. However, isn't our experience always limited? Isn't what we know always only what we know at the moment, even though at the moment we might know more than we have ever known before in our lives? In this podcast, in order to preserve the effort, um, in order to expose the effort of a person's trying to articulate their thinking in real time, I hope to do as little editing as possible. In fact, I hope to do no editing at all. So when I say listen with an open mind, Maybe what I'm trying to say is know that this podcast is not presented to you as a very confident, secure thing. Instead, this podcast is offering you the fragility of somebody's process. Um, the pro somebody's process of trying to negotiate their thinking to their action a process that is full of trials and errors successes and failures a process that is never finished so to speak the reason for which i will 
try to edit as little as possible, which means also getting the permission to publish recordings of conversations that are not edited, that we are not in control of, so to speak, is because I think the act of articulation to expose the the action is content in itself so that when you listen to these conversations you're not only listening to what the people say what a person says you're all you are also listening to how they are speaking as well also <laughs> this is an invitation think of it like that i i say it like this somewhat explicitly also to give myself a chance to voice an interest of mine which is um, to participate in the kind of economy that is affirmatively contemplative um, that is resisting the stress of um, producing good work if only because good work seems to me um, to be organized by predecided notions the pace the speed when the jingle comes in you know even in terms of podcasting there is there are all these um, articles out there how to create the best podcast um, do this do that do these steps in this order in this amount of time my interest is not to create a good podcast together alone is not here to be a good podcast together alone is here to capture an effort of articulation um, and perhaps you know stand uh, for another type of economy uh, where contemplation is perhaps priority where interest in each other's where interest in each other's processes is what motivates uh, movement where movement doesn't necessarily mean or imply or assume moving forward um, where progress is perhaps not um, a synonym for achievement okay so that was a little bit about the dream that is motivating every effort um, that comes to make this podcast real shared possible I promised to promised myself I suppose but also you um, to say a few words about Together Alone. Together Alone is not a name of an institution or of a legal entity. Together Alone is a way of being together alone whenever possible. Together Alone is a volatile and developing agreement which defines the relationship between Ilse Hekire Miramutka, Samuel Draper, Manon Santkan, Eleanor Campbell, Matilda Lidberi, Ross van Berkel, 
Deirdre Morris, Sky Reynolds and myself. This agreement continually rearticulates what must always become a supporting structure called between an always changing number of autonomous individuals brought together by their shared interest. In not really sure. I think at the moment feminism would be a more more um, would be a more obvious answer. Um, it used to be dancing and choreography, but the experience that. Um, the experience that kind of brings these people together as I see it at the moment is really the experience of being a working artist in 2018 um, in North America primarily and Europe um, and it's it it's the experience of being a queer person and the experience of being a woman in that in that environment um, a non-binary um, person as well. So this is to say that together alone in some ways materializes um, in the meeting of a group of people. Together alone also materializes for me or manifests through a series of events that is hosted by this group, um, such are dance concerts organized at the moment primarily in Stockholm, um, or through a meeting or, or through um, a hosting of a series of performative practices um, from the Celestial Body series. Um, or materializes in the making of this podcast. Um, but really, the common denominator to all these activities is um, the notion of being, of sharing, perhaps, the notion of communicating. So together alone, in some ways, affirms that people as I see them have an, an intense relationships with themselves primarily, with their, with their insides, with their internal monologue. And then people try really hard to share aspects of their experience, their knowledge with other people. in that kind of um what's that nice word cal in the calibration of the internal and the external of the unspoken and the spoken where culture begins bubbling or maybe culture is 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 a result of that effort to kind of externalize something that is internally clear 
when that effort um, so no let me say like this together alone is the kind of work that I get involved with people that is both an effort in articulating and sharing something of the internal monologue but also actively reflecting on the ways in which one is externalizing um, materializing manifesting themselves in the society yeah so that's exactly there should have been a full stop there in that respect together alone for me is recognizing the feminist project within the artistic practices of the people that participate in bringing together alone to life um, so really in some ways together alone doesn't exist as anything else than an awareness of a certain kind of attention given when a number of people meet and work together and exchange their experiences it's really hard for me to to speak about that because or it's hard for me to put that in words because um together on has manifested in so many different ways for me and then different situations put different type of pressure for me to articulate what together on is because i was the person who first called something together alone but i was also the person who kept kind of calling different things or different aspects of different meetings activities together alone which i think confused a whole bunch of people which is definitely something that i keep getting myself into confusing people and myself um the difference between their reaction and mine is that sometimes they get frustrated and i call it work so i go like frustration is interesting and then spark a fire because really to tell somebody your frustration is is interesting to me because if you're frustrated i get to learn something you know that's not sometimes it doesn't it really doesn't feel nice um to be on the receiving end of that and I understand that and I apologize and love everybody who didn't start hating me um, when I did that. Um, yeah, in some ways for me, what Together Alone stands for is really the effort to understand something about the human experience. Um, in some ways, Together Alone, and here I speak really frankly, is really real uh, together alone is not a theoretical project in that it analyzes um, something in a in a in maybe what you would call a meta state it's not an uh, the analysis exists but it is it is inevitably linked to the embodied experience the analysis is of the embodied experience 
which means that what is analyzed is somebody somebody's emotional and spiritual and intellectual bodily experience in in my own my own is the first one that is that is uh, on the table um you know for for better or worse and i really sincerely believe it's for the better um because it's how i manage to practice empathy by trying to understand what is going on why is it going on and because i think that if i manage to learn what is actually going on i get to begin the process of understanding how i can in the future lead with something else and perhaps maybe avoid hurting somebody's feelings um this specifically if the practice of choreography and art making the practice of writing and and sharing the social professional side of this work that has to do with bodies which are not professional which are not socially um you know which are not naturally tending to performing a social socially obedient um role for example right so to conclude or to paraphrase because now i made this really really long um coming from dancing and choreography if i am to work professionally with human bodies in a transparent way in a way that is um consensual i have to learn what conditions create what kind of reactions um in every one person that i get to work with in order to work um ethically so this this project of exposing of looking at the articulation is the project of trying to understand what methodologies bring information into the shared space into the public space but it reflects the responsibility back into the individual into the private into the fragile um and really is in some ways a project of care so it's bringing together a political awareness a bodily awareness an artistic awareness um an ethical awareness into the practice that has to do with the embodiment of thinking um with the physical consequence of thinking so that we could perhaps one day learn how to go about our daily business and live in public space and 
whilst having our insights affirmed and encouraged so that perhaps the policy could look different in the future so that the policy wouldn't expect the person to be able to work against their um, what comes to them easily and logically um, danger here is to make it sound as if we want to change the thing change the policy so that we could have better productivity um, that's not the point i'm uh higher productivity is is not my goal um and that we will talk about on plenty of occasions um but some kind of productivity is also no if let's say like this even though higher productivity is not a goal i am interested in in maybe not productivity, but creativity. I am interested in sharing content. I am interested in sharing experience and maybe perhaps even, you know, beauty um, for lack of better terminologies. Excitement, joy, this is where joy comes back, perhaps. Um, yes, but I would like to learn how to do that ethically and that effort that that effort I would like to share with you through my experience of whatever together alone stands for that effort um, and whatever uh, this podcast finally maybe brings about a certain kind of knowledge um, so here I will finish the introductory monologue and um, introduce the the archival footage and then you'll get to hear the conversation that once upon a time I had with Miramutka about her practice of slowness. on. Hello, Mirovodka. Hello, Pavle Heidler. Um, so I want to talk about slowness. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's funny, in my head now there is a I, I want to give an introduction, but then it's hard to come up with words because it's so obvious. <laughs> whatever, whatever the sensation that I have when I think of you and slowness and my desire to talk about it and record that, whatever that thing is, it's so obvious to me that I can't even name it. I can't put mm. it into words. <clears throat> But I think I was inspired um, by how, like, trying to organize myself and then learning 
learning in the last year, let's say, just how much time I take when I, when I really take the time to do things. And this could be anything, this could be brushing my teeth or writing a project mm -hmm. proposal. But if I actually take, if I prepare and execute and then reflect afterwards, I can take much more time than I usually do. So I have a tendency to um, not, really, not really cut myself off, but I can be really fast. I can do things quickly and I can do things quickly without compromising the quality um, of whatever I do. But I think that I miss out on something when I do that. Hmm. Um, maybe I miss, I think I miss on, I miss out on certain uh, experiences that I would like to take time to have. And I notice that mostly in, in my reflections, I see that if I reflect well, or maybe even even before that i i noticed that i that there is something that i call for myself um uh, a good reflection or i can value my reflecting as with high marks and often a good reflection in those terms has something to do with success so i will prepare execute and reflect and reflection will confirm whatever it is that I uh, set out to do. Uh, so it often comes as a full stop and as an explanation point and as a moment of celebration because it confirms that whatever I thought about, I was right about. But then when I often when I take time and when I take more time in every step by the time I get to reflection I actually have a surplus of information mm. and they and often my perspective is changed and often if that occurs at a moment of reflection I can't simply make a conclusion and, and celebrate um, but rather I have I have to reflect on a certain aspect of something that I did again. Um, so in simple language, like more things happen to me because I take a little bit more time. Mm. But also I, I have more experiences that are more complex and they, and in a way, like I could even say that they are Like they make me even more productive in a certain way because then if I take the time to reflect on all these new things that happen to me in the course of an experience, instead of just having a celebration and a confirmation of what I did, I get to celebrate, but maybe also have a question, but maybe also have a drawing, and maybe also have um, three papers to throw away. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so, you know, just with that, I already thought, like, oh, that's very interesting. We would just talk about being slow because you also, I guess, uh, and not only, I, I don't think here only about your practices, uh, but also just, like, your general interests in life. So, anyway, that's my introduction. I will stop <laughs> here. That's, that's how I, what I was thinking about recently. Mm. Um... Your turn. My turn. Uh, I think like, towards the end of, of your introduction, I was starting to think about non-linearity. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and I guess that's one of the kind of core interests that I have in life and mm. in art and practices related to those two things. Uh, this thing of kind of not going from point A to B and solving things. Like, I really can enjoy doing that as well in certain situations. It's not that I never don't do it. Uh, and at the same time, it's, I think my interest is more towards this thing of like having several different kinds of ideas or aspects kind of coming up along the way because I'm not only focused on one thing. Uh, I've been thinking that this thing of observing or seeing things, that we only see what we focus on seeing. <laughs> we can't see everything, and that's, like, you can't pick up on everything, or you can't sense everything. Like, there are limits to the scope of somehow what one can handle, I guess. Um, and something, like in relation to that with having this clear like I'm gonna work on this thing and then I can celebrate or then I'm done which can be so satisfying and gratifying as well uh, I, I really need those moments as well um, but then yeah not not only working in that manner which I find that most of the systems around living and working are geared towards this goal-oriented hmm. uh, way somehow, and then like, if I okay, what if if I don't go on that track, what happens? Hmm. And then I don't know. I don't even know what track I'm on hmm. <laughs> sometimes, hmm. which is then I can't kind of predict or project, and I don't want to many times either. Um, and that takes more time somehow in itself mm. because then it's not kind of mm, the the ground is different I guess like you slip away from yeah. whatever you're doing you yeah. just end up somewhere else yeah. somehow which is fascinating for me can you tell me something about how how you take care of yourself and, and the needs that you have in terms of taking time in environments that uh, maybe ex have different kinds of expectations or put different kinds of expectations on you. An example, like when you teach uh, and you have a a 90 minute class 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to talk like I. Um, it could also be like being uh, at the university or uh, or even proposing to do a slowathon at an event. Like you know, I'm I'm not asking you to analyze a specific example more mm-hmm. to like reflect on. Yeah, on on like how how you take how it, how do you make sure that you get the time you need, mm. um, whilst maintaining relationships that are obviously functioning um, under diff like under different kind of maybe expectations or. Mm. That's yeah. I think that's an interesting question. And that's one thing that I'm constantly trying to figure out in different, like it, it, and and I figure them out differently in in different situations, like mm. the examples you just said, mm. and like now, luckily, where I am for me that I've been in relation to teaching that I've been longing for having a longer, in this case, a one year, one year deal, mm. <laughs> and meeting the same students during one year. Then I, then I also know that I can take the time in a different way, and um, I know that I was stretching the kind of uh, patience <laughs> to to work slowly and deliberately doing that. Um, but it's also I, somehow a balancing thing. Uh, to not go to like to find a pace that's maybe challenging or like resisting some st- structures or some systems or habits most of all habits uh, I I find at least the way I'm I'm kind of going into things that um, and also in relation to like production and teaching like okay what what and, uh, yeah, exactly this question, how to use another system within one system that's the strongest and the, like the machinery of, of what do you, what's it called now? I just lost the name, uh, like financial <laughs> systems. The economy? Yes, yeah. but the, the, the one that's like the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> the matrix? <laughs> the matrix. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, oh, oh! I just lost it again. <laughs> the um, when you're supposed to to make money, <laughs> that system. <laughs> the, the, the money make monetary system. No, I like the... <laughs> okay. It, it will get back to yeah. me. <laughs> like, but this pressure of somehow like. It's supposed to be worth something, and like you're supposed to make make something out of everything, and capitalism. Of, yes, uh-huh. that's, that's the one. <laughs> Just this tiny <laughs> thing. Uh, it's funny because I many times I forget, <laughs> especially capitalism. Yeah. What's that thing again? What, what's it supposed to be called? Because yeah. um, that I for me that's one of the structures that in a way the slowness is resisting because it's also provoking <laughs> to be slow 
and not be efficient in within that system. For me to be working slowly is then more efficient. Yeah. Like in terms of if I would, I mean, I, but I don't really want to use those words mm. because they also belong to that system. And this is kind of the trick of, yeah, which I, am, I think maybe sometimes I'm also using in, in a way to um, be able to be within, within that and still doing what I think is more relevant or, and not not to manipulate but to find a, a track and a way of maybe offering something else than a traditional i don't know i'm putting like quote marks here traditional dance class or a way of producing that's going to go these steps because no. they have to no. somehow um or we are used to doing it this and that way and then uh So, so sometimes maybe I'm trying to use a language that's translatable into a system and like knowable, but maybe my interpretation of that same notion, like for production, for instance. I mean, I don't think it's a bad or, or something that I'm trying to avoid to produce, but the, the, the connotations of production within the capitalist system is something else that I'm interested in and working with, or most of the time at mm. least. Mm. So then, okay, well, if I'm using this word, then I'm also tapping into these things, but maybe I'm also then perhaps sometimes not doing that at all. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I don't know if that answered any of, of what you were asking, but Partially. I think being stubborn is one way mm. <laughs> also. Like, mm. okay, this is something that is important and just like, keep uh, somehow going back to it, mm. like persisting and being stubborn in that mm. sense. Of, like, okay. This is not maybe always appreciated. Uh, on the other hand, maybe I don't always appreciate other types of living and working. So then, yeah, negotiate somehow. I have a silly question, but um, I'll ask it anyway. Were you born that way? <laughs> or <laughs> Or is way. it? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, stubborn. Yes. Stubborn. <laughs> I think yes. <laughs> but also maybe with this, uh, with with the sensibility that you're describing, um, or is it something that you grew grew into, or maybe both? I don't know. Um, I can clarify this question. Mm -hmm. I recognize that a part of one thing that I'm discovering growing up is that studying for me is a way of 
learning about things that have been familiar since I was a child. Um, for example, dancing. Ever since I was young, I didn't really appreciate dancing in um, um, very uh, classical, especially in terms of uh, show dance kind of classical structures, mm -hmm. um, environments. I, it, it, that was not stimulating for me. So I was putting resistance to, to uh, types of environments and types of strategies that would not ask me to be inventive or not ask me to explore but simply reproduce. But when I was young, I didn't really like, I didn't know what to do with that. So I would say no and I would protest and then I would have a bunch of old people slap me or uh, not literally, okay. you know, like figuratively <laughs> uh, slap yeah. me or put me down or still put a bow tie on my neck. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so I found that actually education is a way for me to learn in my adult life how to put words to some feelings that I had from very like very early on um, so then I started learning a little bit about uh, history of aesthetics and then history of politics and then history of uh, interpersonal relationships and psychology and like whatever mm. um, physics <laughs> <laughs> the uh, universe yeah the universe so yeah, so then, of course, as I learn, I discover uh, new things and I become stubborn about other things and I uh, learn to um, speak for different things. But but I do, like, in the last couple of years, I do continually go back to recognizing that still some things that I'm most passionate for are those that I that have been with me the longest. Um, like as early as four and five I can remember mm. um, and so then like thinking of that I sometimes ask myself like was I born that way or is it something that already then I maybe could have learned or see or and of course I can't really answer this question mm. because maybe it has been that at the age of three before I have like clear memories I saw somebody being creative and then I you know this or whatever I saw a sensibility that or maybe it was given to me by my parents still yeah that I can't answer but at least the question there implies a certain type of dynamics that is interesting to me right now mm. um, which cr which which yeah put it, it puts me back as early as as I can remember and then and then uh, it, it puts a bit of uh, uh, I'll put also quotation marks mystery, <laughs> um, which and uh, which is one of the places from which I can draw um, courage or um, motivation or confidence to keep asking the question or to keep persisting or to keep exploring or to mm. keep learning studying mm. so that's a little bit of the background uh, to the question that I ask mm. 
Yeah. So maybe even like the in terms of stubbornness, but also in terms of slowness, like where where does maybe I can ask like where does your motivation come from mm. for slowness? Where does the the thirst or the appetite for slowness come from? <laughs> oh. mm. I think I yeah I don't know how I was born. Uh, well, I know parts of it, <laughs> born early, um, but I, I do remember kind of having one question that's always kind of been with me, or as long as I can remember, is trying to make or understand some kind of logic of things, because I, like the way I experienced life and still many times do I like there's no logic <laughs> like things aren't adding up uh, and I think that's partly why I'm so interested in systems and structures and rules and like how to use them and misuse them or kind of somehow bounce against those boundaries of systems to figure things out that I never yeah it's like this ongoing mystery thing mm. uh, but there's something at least to kind of hold on to or to track or trace, like a skeleton of something, <laughs> and then that can change. Mm. Uh, but I think there's something with that, like this thing of living is so unpredictable and, and not, yeah, you can't think, okay, of course you can make up goals, but you, you don't know what's going to happen along the way uh, anyways. So I think slowness is somehow related to that, because uh, the more I'm trying to figure something out, the longer it takes to figure it out or think about it or relate to it. And the more I find out, the, the more I understand, like this classic thing yeah. of not knowing anything basically yeah. and then yeah um, yeah that's like one one way of seeing it um, and also with the slowness that like I remember the first time the first client technique class I uh, was part of and I remember thinking like Oh, so this, even though this movement is so small and so slow, it's still a movement. <laughs> that mm. was like a huge shift for me. Mm. Um, and, and it made sense. It was that there I could find logic somehow in a way that I had been looking for for a long time that I can't really also not really put words to. Um, because it's also... Um, connecting somehow to to universe <laughs> like I mean for me very concretely not on a um, just on a kind of theoretical level but I like I feel physically connected to the earth and the the stars in a different way if I'm connecting within my body and and being in slowness in different ways it doesn't necessarily have to be Klein technique it can be other ways of being slow. Um, I think I can feel connected to to more things. Um, 
And what happens then when you... What can, like, can you describe what happens to you when you feel connected? Like, what does that feel like? What, what, does, what does it do? Hmm. Uh, I, I guess that's when I feel like I can take all the time in the world. It, it's like the, the perspective shifts and then feels like I can, I, I, we could spend three years talking like this and that wouldn't stress me out or feel like it, it's not relevant enough or like all these things that I, I somehow relate to or have present in different ways in my life when I'm not as connected maybe. Uh, then if, it, yeah, I feel more kind of grounded and um, open. And it's like a, what, what's it called? Uh, one of those other words that I keep losing, <laughs> like safety maybe, mm -hmm. uh, like a sense of, I'm more, more trust than safety. Like I just trust that things are moving and working out or if they're not working out, then they will work out. There's like this calmness mm. and yeah. And then, then I can also like in that, in that kind of way, I can take care of myself in relation to these other types of systems and feel, feel that it's going to be fine somehow. Mm. Where was it that you first did the client? Was that in New York? No, it was no, here in see. Stockholm with Karin Jameson mm. at Dance Company. <laughs> she was renting a studio there on Fridays. Uh, and I had a year off from the dance teacher's education. And did still then uh, lots of ballet, which for me was one of those things really uh, I was so fascinated with the system, yeah. like within, within the language, like within, the, like as as I'm interested in linguistics, like that kind of yeah. tracking and tracing of how things are put together <laughs> and yeah. from where and how you can change them. That's uh, so. This was a completely different universe <laughs> the, yeah. like, different setup somehow uh, and could you could you make a comparison to how you did how do you understand the two systems <laughs> we, um, I mean first study would be then ballet and climb mm. hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess uh, the way I'm I'm thinking and practicing climb technique is quite in in many ways quite similar. Like with within the different works, it's still systems of like structures of how you do things, 
and even though I can apply the principles of Klein into a ballet class and the structure of a ballet class if I would like I could I could use I like they are definitely like mixable yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess like this there's there's a certain strictness strictness in the structure in the format in both of them that I also am attracted to uh, because staying with within a certain frame like this thing I talked about before like finding certain types of logic or making sense is that 30 minutes yeah see this is like we could stay here for another three and a half <laughs> uh, just to like end up that thought yeah that um, there, there's a certain strictness like within this frame to kind of then I guess that's where I kind of didn't find an like a door within ballet <laughs> to open to also feel that there's there's this um, space where I don't know like I always felt that there was a like a right answer somehow like preferably I would have 180 degrees of turnout like that's the that's the main like and of course that's simplifying yeah. a lot like very 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 much but um, somehow like within this work with client technique I could feel like there are these kind of principles and and um, tangible exercises and ways of using movement and initiation of movement that um, yeah opened up space for other things as well it was like giving me several things instead of li a more linear I guess yeah. that's maybe that's the yeah. in my experience I mean I'm sure someone else would say yeah, something yeah, else yeah, I mean, but uh, this is like and that at that point where I was in my <clears throat> in my education and in my dancing um, this was giving me an alternative to go in a completely different direction which I was yeah not welcoming only because it was also a huge shift <laughs> so it was also like a bit rocky for a period of time but we went quite fast mm. to change um, because I wanted it, I needed something else. Yeah. And how, now this is like another question that I have because of a, another story I tell myself, <laughs> but like how did, did uh, I, I will use the word image but I'm not necessarily meaning like a, a picture or a photograph, more like did, did your internal image change through that or how you imagine yourself or how you sense yourself like the, the shape of that change <laughs> In, in this experience of, of uh... yeah dramatically uh, I think if, I mean if 
I mean, I, I, there, there are not so many moments where I could say like this day, this hour changed my life. But I can definitely say that that first class changed my my life dramatically. Even though, like the like the bigger changes took longer time, but there were like certain certain changes that happened and were so clear. Uh, and I just needed to do this. Mm. That's that's kind of all I understood mm. <laughs> at, the, at that time. Like mm. I couldn't really, yeah understand what was going on but I think for the first time ever I felt like I could be in myself mm. uh, which was I mean that that was such a huge thing mm. uh, instead of like constantly trying to find ways of not having have to somehow be working in and out of myself and like somehow running away in a way and and this gave me like tools to stay with myself and also rest within within working so i think in terms of working with slowness and the practices that i've been working with the recent years this is definitely like a major um, information <laughs> yeah. that I got through through practicing client yeah. technique yeah. yeah for sure because we went over time I would I, <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, I, I find that we I would like to uh, bring this conversation to a, maybe like a sense of conclusion of sorts <laughs> uh, because I think we also got there and to at least like what I recognize is a certain this word um, is this the word inhabiting uh, came up in my brain mm. because um Yeah, I only described the whole process that I went through in my, in my head to get here, but I will hopefully make it clear by saying that you, you know, just telling the story that you told, and then I'm, I'm, th and I'm thinking of the word inhabiting and, and finding ways to, uh, may I say, be in yourself. Um, like the experience of, of slowathon and the experience of uh, slothing for me are have both been very uh, yeah just like related to this word of in, in inhabiting almost like returning my consciousness to all these things that are happening in my physical experience right now mm. and both these practices I mean in even though they're dealing with different uh, I mean simply like one is vertical one is horizontal one is for me um, well obviously like walking so that I'm, 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 I'm moving through space and I'm, I'm still somehow relating to the world from um, more everyday kind of point of view because mm -hmm. my head is at the top of my spine and I see you know, my eyes look and I can reach out so the whole the world is still like 
reachable, I can reach it. Mm. Slowathon shifts that perspective more, like definitely by putting me on the floor where where the whole I, I can I can move spirally. Uh, I can also move. Uh, yeah, and and this movement then doesn't. I'm not going anywhere already <laughs> because I'm in a rounder space so I can just keep on spinning around myself so it, it doesn't put me in a relationship to the world where I'm still walking somewhere and I can reach something mm. but even though I see this distinction for myself I still think that also Slovathon in the walking and in, in where I can still reach I'm very much shifting my perspective inwards and I become conscious of all these other mechanisms that are at stake. Mm. And I start deconstructing walking, I start deconstructing waist shifts, I start deconstructing uh, swings of my arms, I start deconstructing how my spine relates to my limbs. And in that, there, there, there's also a work of reorganizing the hierarchies of how the world is. Uh, structured in in a way that suddenly I also I've become a world I, I already become a world mm. and so when I become a world then the world that I live in becomes another world <laughs> and and what what was very then re, um, relaxing in one way but also maybe empowering in another way that suddenly the world around me wasn't something that I was striving for it wasn't something that I was competing to impress mm. I wasn't, it wasn't something that I had to reach out in order to participate in um, suddenly I was a world within the world which brings us back to what you said in the beginning um, and I was more of living in a symbiosis where in which both worlds are living worlds and they both keep on doing something whatever it is I don't need to put a direction to it or I don't need to put you know but it, it and yeah, so they are just both, they are two worlds and they, and they, and they are both doing their thing. Mm. So there, there was like, a, almost like a, sex, a socio, psychological, socio, <laughs> um, physical, political, there, there was like a very yeah, extensive effect to that. Um, that was very interesting because it shifted that hierarchy because it mm. put me in a place where I could relate to the world differently and so I, I got more options to how to engage but also I wasn't threatened anymore for a little p bit of time um, and I always tried to extend that time mm. uh, of not being threatened by the world uh, especially when we talk about capitalism and productivity and etc etc it's a quite an ag aggressive uh, system, like yeah. capitalism is. Yeah. yeah. I find it aggressive. 
Hey, I mean, no doubt about that. I, I couldn't agree. <laughs> um, but then, what was my question in this? Or well, maybe I didn't have a question, maybe I just wanted to give this, uh... Impression as a sort of... Um... It feels like that by saying what I just said, I'm also like making... Actually making something clear that I couldn't make clear in the beginning, which is why it made... It, it's like one of the reasons why it made sense for me to talk to you about mm. slowness. Mm. Because of how I experienced slowness when you were in charge of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is funny. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it's funny also that you say it because I also question that a lot like should anyone then be kind of in charge of it and that's one of the things that I've been trying to figure out also a lot together with Uda and Max and Maya when we did Slothing and with Stina with Slovakon and then like with a lot more people but to um, yeah figure out like what are the n kind of necessary yeah boundaries or uh, what how much do I have to say or how much am I needed in the space is it possible for me to not even be there and like and and then somehow I think I mean it's not necessary for me to be there but someone to hold the space somehow to because it is a different space and to keep insisting on and holding it during a certain amount of time because <laughs> uh, it's easier and it's creating something else I think like easier to be in this thing that's maybe not so easy to be in <laughs> yeah but there's like something yeah again this thing of having a system or a structure that you can also go against if you yeah. don't want to yeah. Like agree with it. Um, talked about. Um, I was in this conversation practice yesterday uh, with Sanna Söderholmen, Karima Neuser, and six more people. Um, so we talked also about like being accountable or responsible. Um, and I guess somehow like I don't want to be in charge, but I can, I can try to be responsible somehow or accountable for giving this proposal somehow and maybe I'm just trying to trick myself I don't know <laughs> but uh, yeah <laughs> I don't know I, I, was, I was talking to Sam the other day about uh, uh, insistence and Eleanor uh, we were in rehearsal and then I said that I that I insisted on a, a certain principle and Sam then came back to all and he offered me I think three different words that were synonyms to insisting mm. but they were um, also submissive in a way 
uh, where insistence is not, mm-hmm. uh, where where insistence is dominant, um, and and so and also these three words had more to do with. Yeah, letting letting something go. Um, or giving yourself up to something rather than uh, insisting on it to happen, occur, take mm-hmm. place. And I found I found myself uh, actually resisting his proposals, even though. N- I, I can't imagine ever doing that before that moment. And I think it, it I, and I think how I explained it then was a little bit of what you mentioned just now where I said, the way I see the world right now, somebody will eventually, like somebody will always insist. There's like so many people out there insisting. And if somebody, so, if somebody else doesn't insist on something else, mm. chances are um, something else is not gonna happen. <laughs> and and I know that there it's always the option of being like uh, uh, on the periphery, being a subgroup, being quiet, being. But I find that that so much time has been spent at the periphery. At least I in my life have been so like one of my strategies so far was to be at the periphery, to be quiet, not to like arouse anything and to keep practicing what I, whatever I want to practice and to hang out with whomever I want to hang out with. Mm. But now for the first time I, I see that well, I also have to say that another thing that I recognize that um This, this randomness that we spoke a bit about earlier that I find that things are so random it's only that some things are written out to appear as if they are not random <laughs> and so that person then or these people or these institutions get to take over um, and suddenly I'm finding myself thinking uh, away with that, away with uh, calling random things unrandom, but then I see that this is not happening so much. Some When somebody gets established, they're established, and then to take them down, it's impossible to take something down. At least from what, I've, from what I'm looking at right now, none of the systems that are up can I see anybody taking them down. But what I can see is that people are building other systems. Mm. And this is where I thought like, but actually insisting is not even an act of violence. uh, And it's not even an act of, uh, yeah, taking any, anything from anybody else. It's it's not an, or or at least like, that's how I would like to implement my insistence. Mm. It is simply saying, I'm not, I'm, I'm not. I'm not giving up on this. I actually mm. want to see this and I want to share this with you. I want to inform you about this way of being, working, practicing, whatever. And then, if you want to refuse me, refuse me. But please, 
inform yourself before you do. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, I don't know if, if that's even explaining it all. I, 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 yeah, but there's something in, I'm attracted to assisting right now, but I also want to practice assisting with, with an amount of softness, an amount of uh, openness. So it's not an assistance that is closing and that is, that is uh, negating other, other ways. It's just an insistence that, that says like, yes and, mm -hmm. me too. And then, you know, then it's your turn. Yeah. Um, that, that makes me think of an article I read yesterday. Someone who was very upset, a dance critic, I think, a, um, an Australian dance magazine if I remember right, who was very upset on the way, what, what he was seeing on stage. Uh, and there was no yes and, it was no and no. <laughs> uh, and for me it's, I can understand if it's not someone's cup of tea, uh, but this exclusion of anything that you are not um, kind of attracted to or interested in, I'm I'm finding it difficult to relate to. For me, it's fine for someone to dislike what I'm doing or not care. I still will be insisting on doing it, and I still insist on other types of work being important. Because yeah. uh, there's some something about making everything the same <laughs> that I I think it's like it's time to update <laughs> we will always disagree yeah. <laughs> at some point and that's okay yeah. Uh, yeah I think that's a very nice note to close with <laughs> disagreeing is eventually going to happen um but that disagreement shouldn't be something that one should avoid mm. or see as a negative or see as something that even needs fixing. Yeah, th exactly. That, that was what I was trying to say. Yeah. And this, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>
And so, in closing, there are two things that I wanted to mention. Um, so just in terms of expectations, I would say it is important for me to vocalize, maybe. Once again, looking through my notes, I didn't say this before. Um, this podcast, I did say, is experimental also in the way it is managed all or made. Which, for example, means that we will not aim to have a studio and, and we will not aim at um, giving you crystal clear recordings. We have some nice microphones, we will learn to use them well. Um, but as, as the podcast develops, I'm sure um, a lot of traveling will be documented and a lot of talking to people on location will be documented, um, which I think is great because then we, I think a result of that could be that we get to talk to a wider variety of humans, which is amazing. But yeah, just so you know that that's something that we are working with. Like sometimes you will hear rain, sometimes you might hear um, sounds of the world and the universe. I'm happy that in this apartment you cannot hear the washing machine that is playing in the other room because the doors are quite solid um, and the walls, I suppose. So that's one thing. And then the other thing that I would like to mention is this is really important, I should have said this at the beginning of the episode, so maybe I repeat it at the beginning of the next episode, is that I suppose that the majority of episodes on this podcast will be recorded in the English language. The thing about the English language is that, um, for most part, um, the English language will not be the mother tongue um of the person speaking. So bear that in mind that um, the language itself is going to be used in the best possible way, but that also might uh, include, and especially because we are not editing, a whole plethora of, of um, really misusages of the language. And I really welcome you to kind of I welcome you to kind of, I welcome you to enjoy people misusing um, a language and perhaps the English language. Um, there's a lot of concern and talks going about, going on about um, should the English language be the only language you speak in the desk community, yada, yada, yada. You know, for me, this this question is temporarily. Res I don't know. I don't know. But with what I'm concerned with at the moment, Eng the English language is the language that people already speak, and people already um, kind of have access to to some degree, at least. So. I use the English language because it gives me the opportunity to talk to the widest um, group of people to some degree and I know this can be contested 
and contested it shall be uh, no doubt about that parallel to that contesting of the English language um, the English language will also be used because it is already used um, so maybe these are two projects um, you know going parallel one to the one to the other um, so that's that on the note of language um, for now um, and yes so to maybe end this episode on a yay celebratory note please please be in touch with us share your impressions with us inform us of your experience of listening to this podcast you will you will be able to find all the email addresses and and websites if you want to follow the work and facebook groups all the links are going to be um in the in the in the field description box place for information um yes thank you so much for listening to the together alone podcast our opening episode to mira mutka uh, to her experience with and of slowness we'll be back with you soon with more episodes that are gonna come up come out irregularly whenever they're made we're gonna put them online and i don't know what to say it's so exciting bye